What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99, and you can keep up with all of our newest fantasy baseball content here at EthosFantasyBB. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. You get our podcasts, articles, polls, news and notes, any updates at all. As soon as they are released, that's Ethos Fantasy BB. And if you're not somebody who uses social media, sportsethos.com is the place for you guys to be checking out all of our work across all four major sports. We have gambling, we got DFS, all of that stuff for you guys to be checking out there. We are going to be doing another mock draft. We are going to be doing a 10-team mock draft, which is kind of Yahoo-style settings. And it's actually kind of cool because Yahoo opened up their fantasy baseball leagues a week earlier than we expected. It usually comes out right around my birthday. I know that because my birthday is a week today. It's the 26th of January. And usually we do have like a couple-day period there before my birthday where Yahoo does open up. So we got a little bit extra time to start practicing around with mock drafts and stuff. We will actually get into Yahoo and start doing those on there next week to go along with our team previews. Today, we're going to be using the Fantasy Pros technology again that we used earlier in the week. That was a 12-teamer. This is a 10-teamer, and that does change the way I will look at things. And we're going to get into all that in a second. But I do want to address the big signing of the day, and that's Josh Hader. Josh Hader is a member of the Houston Astros. It was five years $95 million It is one of the biggest, and I think according to Jeff Passan, it's the biggest present-day contract for a reliever because you know how there's all this deferred money going around. It's the highest value for a present-day contract for a reliever, I believe, in history. So good for Josh Hader. It's good money there. Um, now, he is going to be the closer. He is going to be sliding into that ninth-inning role. We know this. You're not paying a guy $20 million, $19 million a year. So that they can be the seventh or eighth inning, man. We also know that Josh Hader does not like pitching outside of the ninth inning. In fact, he made it very, very apparent last year that he will not pitch outside of the ninth inning at all, uh, especially in it, when it comes to pitching more than three outs worth. Uh, he was really adamant that he was not going to pitch in the eighth inning. He wouldn't get four outs for a save and things like that. And we don't need to see him doing that anymore. They have Ryan Presley. They have Brian Abreu. They have Montero. They have such a deep back end of that pen, especially Abreu and Presley to go along with with Hayter. That concern for him of having to pitch in the seventh or eighth inning is, is never going to have to happen. So that's good for him. It's good from a fantasy point of view if you are a Josh Hader owner because he went to the probably best team in the American League, close to it anyway. You can maybe you know debate one way or the other, but Going to a team where there is a hell of a lot of certainty in terms of wins, you're going to get a lot of save opportunities. It doesn't always work one-to-one perfectly like that. The team won 120 games, so the guy's going to have 60 saves. Like It doesn't always break down that you're going to save like half the team's games. Generally, it's like 30% or more of wins will be saves. So let's say they have a 90-win season, which is very much realistic. It's probably what you can expect. Josh Hader is going to get 30-plus saves. That much I'm, I'm fairly certain of. Now, if you drafted Ryan Presley or Brian Abreu, then play the bagpipes, have a moment of silence, maybe have yourself a drink tonight because those shares are dead in the water. And they're probably the first shares of the season that are really dead in the water. I can't think of another player that we were drafting at a fairly high price. I mean, unless you drafted maybe Brandon Woodruff or Max Scherzer early on, those ones are kind of dead. But in terms of a signing or a trade actually displacing somebody, especially a Brave, because Ryan Presley, there might still be some chances. You never know. Like he's going to be still probably you know a waste where people were drafting him top 100. But he still might get some save opportunities. He'd be next in line if something happened to Hater. They might go righty-lefty sometimes if there's three righties coming up in the ninth. Presley might still get some saves. 
I'm not thinking that he's going to be worthless. Brian Abreu essentially becomes worthless for fantasy. The strikeouts are great. The ratios have been great. But I don't think that you're going to be you know, rostering a seventh inning guy on too many teams where there's not really a clear path to saves for him either. So Josh Hader is a great investment. Ryan Presley, we'll see where the price ends up. I don't think it'll be a great investment at this point. Obviously, where you've taken him already, it's a bad investment. But let's say he starts going after pick 200 or something like that. That's where I can kind of get into it a little bit. Not to say that he's going to be a big target of mine. Uh, not at all, but he might get to a point where it gets so cheap where it's like, okay, I'll take a couple shares of Ryan Presley. You're still getting good strikeouts, probably good ratios. If you're in a save plus hold league, then he's still going to play up there. But damn, uh, if you had a couple of early teams where you invested in Ryan Presley as your first relief pitcher, which a lot of people do, um, you're you're going to need some comforting tonight. So I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry to lead off with that one, but I do want to touch on that. It's the big news of the day. It's not really enough to fill up a whole podcast, though, which is why we are going to be doing this mock draft and we are going to get it started up right now it's a 10 team league um like i said i want to try and do you know do 10s i'll do 12 i'll do 14 15 maybe even a 20 team draft because i know there are a lot of different types of players out there you guys are doing all kinds of different formats this one will be roto last week it was more head to head i was aiming for more consistency in my eyes for roto it doesn't really matter if a guy's going to run cold for six weeks and then hot for six weeks and then cold again it doesn't matter as long as the stat line ends up looking roughly what you think it's going to look like it doesn't really matter month to month really in a roto format what those players are doing but just to set it up for you the rosters we are going to be playing with is one catcher one first baseman one second one short and one third three outfielders two starting pitchers two relievers four pitchers of any kind and then one utility spot we're not going to be drafting the bench today because i i think it can be kind of helpful but i'm going to be avoiding that for now and there's a reason for it and i'll talk more about that maybe later on but we don't need to be drafting the bench today we are going to be going 18 rounds deep with this roster that you see on screen if you're listening on the podcast side i'd very much recommend you guys go over and checking out on youtube sports ethos that is where we're posting a ton of content these days two or three shows are going up on youtube every single week our team previews are all getting posted on there these mock drafts adp battles most of our shows uh from this point to the start of the season are going to be on YouTube as well. So if that's how you prefer to absorb the content, then please do go over there and check us out. Leave a subscription to the channel, like the video, do all that great stuff. If you're on YouTube, go check out the podcast side. You can listen in the car. It's a lot easier. You don't have to be watching. You can just be listening. And I'm going to stop rambling now. We're going to get into the draft. But appreciate, I wanted to say, all the support that you guys have shown, leaving likes and comments and all those reviews on the podcast. It really does mean a lot. So thank you for that. But let's get started. We are going to be picking. Make sure I have this right. Oh, I almost had it wrong. I want to be picking from the back end here. I'm going to be picking from pick 10. I want to see what kind of build I can get from the back end here. And it's a shallower format. A 10-team league means that I can take more chances. There are more options on the waiver wire. If your players don't pan out, there is a lot of replacement level option. If you're in a 15-team league and a lot of your players aren't panning out, you don't have those great replacements on the waiver wire to just easily switch them out. So 10-team league, I will take some more chances. But with that being said, let's kick it off. Let's get it started here. We are a go. And no real surprises are going to really happen in the first round too much. Acuna, Bobby Witt, Julio, Carroll, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Spencer Strider, Kyle Tucker, and Fernando Tatis at nine. I am up here with the last pick of the first round, and Freddie Freeman has fallen too far. Freddie Freeman should not be getting to this point. I think that, honestly, he can make sense as a top five pick. I've debated taking him as the number six pick in our mock draft on Monday, which was a 12-teamer. But I think that if he's getting to pick 10, he becomes the obvious play. The batting average is such a st- 
stupid advantage that you get from him. He's probably going to be a 310, 315 hitter. And if he batted 320, no one's going to be surprised. He started stealing bases last year to a, a much greater extent than we'd ever seen. He had more than 20. Will that continue into his mid-30s? Probably not to the same extent, but you are still getting some stolen bases. You're getting an incredible base of runs and RBIs because that lineup was already ridiculous. Now you've added Shohei Otani to it. It's just going to be better. Uh, the age is the only real thing that people are kind of worried about with Freddie Freeman, but if that's really the only concern. We don't have a health concern. There's no line of concern, nothing else. I'm not going to be fading him at 34, considering he's actually looked better over the last couple of years. It has been two of the best seasons of his career, and you could argue 2023 was the best year of his career. So we're nowhere near the decline phase or anything like that. Freddie Freeman, it still makes a lot of sense to me here uh, at pick 10. In fact, he makes a lot of sense at pick three or four or five even. Now, I think the second player, and I'm kind of debating it right now, but I think I'm going to go with Jose Ramirez. I'm going to take care of third base. There are third basemen that you can kind of get later on, and you can say, and this is kind of the argument that a lot of people make. Third base, you can you can wait on it a little bit. There are more players this year. You're not going to be getting third basemen who are both a positive in batting average and in stolen bases later on. That's just not going to happen. You're not going to be getting many players of any position who are going to be giving you advantages in those areas. But specifically at third base, steals do not come very easily. There are guys that will give you some batting average, but it generally comes with not a lot of everything else. You know, you're you're getting batting average and you're giving up power, you're giving up speed or something. With Jose Ramirez, it's really just the lineup factor, right? If he was playing for any other team, and I heard Eno Saris mention this on Rates and Barrels yesterday, the day before, that if Jose Ramirez was a Yankee for his career or any other team, really, he'd probably have three or 400 more runs in RBIs to this point. So... I'm not going to hold it against him. I think that this offense is one that can kind of fluctuate year to year between great and awful. And we saw that 2022, they were a great offense. They won the division. This past year, they were shitful. They were terrible. But I don't think that they're going to be that bad going forward every single year, considering the amount of contact we have in that lineup. The guys put the ball in play a lot. You got Kyle Manzardo looking like he might be joining that team to add a little bit more boom, a uh, boom, a little bit more bump to the lineup. Josh Naylor should be healthy. Uh, Stephen Kwan, another year older, should be a little bit more developed. I think that Jose Ramirez is a very safe pick, even though the experts don't generally agree. They want me to take Juan Soto. I don't think I do want to take Juan Soto here. I've already taken somebody who's a little bit of a question mark in terms of my steals. I think that Freddie's pretty secure, but I don't think that he is as secure as some of the other names, like a Trey Turner is going to get you more steals, Shohei Otani, and Jose Ramirez as well. And I think taking care of third base there really makes sense with Jose Ramirez. So I will use my last pick of the first round and first pick of the second round, Freddie Freeman, and then Jose Ramirez. I'm very happy there. Now, after that, it was Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Corey Seager, Jordan Alvarez, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, and then Bryce Harper to round out the second. No real surprises there. Ozzy Albi, Zach Wheeler, Rafael Devers, Marcus Semien, Vlad Guerrero, Francisco Lindor, Ellie Dela Cruz, Pete Olson, CJ Abrams. That is what we have in round three. I still think CJ Abrams is ridiculously priced. He's going when I pick 29 in this draft. It just feels very expensive. Now, on the corners, on the turn, um, there are certain positions that uh, it's really tricky, honestly, because it's only a 10-team draft. If you're doing it in a 15-team league, then you got 30 picks going by between your picks. Here, it's only 20, so it's not so bad. Um, But you can kind of get lost if you miss out on a particular run. If there are seven catchers that go right in a row, then you might get, you know, you might be in your head thinking, I'm going to get the best catcher in baseball. I'm going to get the second best catcher. You don't take them on that turn spot, which is where we are, and there might be all of them gone by your next pick, and you might be stuck with the seventh or the eighth best guy. So that's kind of where my concern does lie about 
certain things I'm about to do here, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to take Shohei Otani like I did in the last mock draft because he should never be falling to round three. Regardless if it's a 10-team league, an 8-team league, a 5-team league, he should never be falling this late. I know people are kind of worried about whatever procedure he had. I don't care. I, I honestly don't care at this point. It was not Tommy John. It wasn't as invasive of an elbow surgery as what people were probably thinking. It was some kind of hybrid surgery. He's not going to be pitching anyway. We just need to see him as a hitter. He's got the whole offseason to recover, and he had the last month of 2023 as well where he wasn't playing. I think that we're going to be all systems go here with Shohei. And if you are getting him in the third round, which is not something I'm seeing in real drafts, uh, it's something I've only seen so far in a mock draft, but you you kind of just don't really know until you get into the room and people will say, well, he's DH only. He's got the surgery. I just don't know if I want to trust him. It's understandable. But at this point, at pick 30, especially in a 10-team league, I'm taking him 100%. So Shohei's even my first pick here. The second one, it doesn't really matter the order because I'm going back to back, but I'm taking Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman is my number two starting pitcher. Where do they have him here in the expert consensus? They have him at number five, and he's still sitting here. Um, you know, I think Spencer Strider should be taken ahead of him. I don't think Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, and Zach Wheeler necessarily should, especially not Burns. I can get behind Wheeler. I can get behind Cole, but I don't think Kevin Gosman should still be sitting here at this point. Pick 31, you kind of like this is the end of where he should be going at the latest, and I can even argue taking him. In the late teens, if he's going to pick 18 or 19, I could definitely get behind it. This is kind of as late as you should be letting it go for him. So I've got my first baseman, third baseman, and a utility spot covered. I'm going to get my SP1 here in Kevin Gosman. Uh, people are going to call me a homer. People always call me a homer when they, oh, you like Gosman. You're a Blue Jay guy. Of course you like Gosman. I loved Gosman when he was in San Francisco. And if you just look at the development of what he's done these last couple of years, the supporting metrics, try and look at all the leaderboards. Of even just like look at the last three years. Don't even look at the last year. Look at the last three seasons and look where Kevin Gosman ranks amongst all pitchers. And then tell me I'm crazy for thinking he is one of the top three or four pitchers in all of baseball. He is super, super, super elite. Now we are going to be taking some more chances in this draft than I normally would. First of all, it's a mock draft. There's no real money on the line, but I'm also talking about a 10 teamer. And like I said, your guys don't pan out, your guy gets hurt, whatever. There's going to be more options on the waiver wire to fill in those spots. So here, I will take a chance, and I will take Tariq Skubal. Tariq Skubal is somebody that, if you look at the metrics, what he did over the stretch down the stretch last season, he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball in the second half. I don't know that I'm that bought in, but there are a lot of people who are. My concern lies with, and this is kind of out of my depth to some degree, but the shape of his fastball. I know, me talking about shapes of pitches is kind of not usually what you're used to hearing on the show. The shape of his fastball is not great. And if you look at the stuff plus, it's 93. If you're not familiar with Stuff Stuff Plus, it was created by Eno Saris, who we mentioned earlier, as a metric to qualify and quantify how good each individual pitch is, the characteristics of a pitch. And again, it's very technical. I don't know all the formulas that go into it, but essentially 100 is average. If your stuff is 100, you're an average pitcher in terms of how nasty you are, essentially. That's the way the average fan can look at it. How nasty are you? Tariq Skubal has some pitches that score fairly well, but overall... He's below average in terms of his stuff. That's something that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about so much. I think Nick Pollock or somebody mentioned it recently, and I was like, went and looked into it a little bit. It is a little bit concerning, but the strikeouts, the the growth that he showed last year in terms of really everything, I'll take a chance in the 10-team league, and I haven't actually clicked draft on Tariq Skubal in any format this year at all, but there it is. We have one pretend share of Tariq Skubal here in our mock draft. Now, this is where it gets a little interesting. I think I might go and take Jazz Chisholm here. Jazz Chisholm is somebody, uh, his stats were posted out the other day of his numbers over the last two seasons, which essentially equals a full season worth of numbers. 
And if he's able to stay healthy for a year, we're looking at a 30-30 guy. Like I really think that Jazz Chisholm at worst is a 25-25 guy, 30-25, 25-28, like somewhere in that range. And we just never are going to trust him because there's been we've been hurt so many times by Jazz Chisholm. But I think at this point, the price is depressed enough in the fifth round, sixth round range where I'll take a chance. And again, this is where we're going to be a little bit more Ricky Bobby. You ain't first, you're last. Shout out Scott Bogman, who is somebody who's been using that term a lot in draft season. He used it when we were doing a draft together recently. You're not first, you're last. Jazz Chisholm is one of those guys where it's going to be one of the other probably, but I'll take him. Uh, I'll take him here. I'm getting some power. I'm getting some speed. Not a hell of a lot of batting average, but I have a base of Shohei, Ramirez, and Freddie Freeman. Those three guys combined, I should be looking at close to a 300 batting average. So I have no problem at all there with those picks. Now, after I take Jazz Chisholm, it goes Nico Horner, Emmanuel, Classe, Edwin Diaz, Nolan Jones, O'Neal Cruz, Blake Snell, Josh Hader, who we mentioned before, Aaron Nola, and Joan Duran. Kicking off round seven, Camilo Doval, Adley Rutschman, Matt McClain, Mike Trout, Framer Valdez, Joe Musgrove, Freddie Peralta, Manny Machado, and then Cedric Mullins going off the board at pick 69. Now I'm up at pick 70 and 71. I think I know which direction I'm going here just based off of the suggestions, but I'm going to take a look and see who else we have on the board, make sure I'm not missing anything massive here, and I don't think I am. No, we are not. So I'm going to go with two guys who are right here on the recommended page. And I'm going to go a little bit heavier with my pitching than I normally would in this shallow of a format, but I think I'm going to take Logan Webb because I'm very confident in Gosman, not as confident in Skubal. But Webb is one of those guys, again, where I'm like super, super confident. So even if things don't work out with Scooble, I've backed that up really solidly with the other two guys I have there. You only need two like starting pitcher spots for this format, but Webb will, will slot into one of those other pitcher. It's still a, a starting spot on the roster, but if you're looking like it's a P spot in terms of an SP spot. So he'll slot into one of those, and I think I'm going to take Jordan Romano, who is my highest-ranked closer and Fantasy Pros' highest-ranked closer still on the board. Don't have a source of saves yet. And I think, honestly, like the ECR has him at 80. That's kind of low. Jordan Romano should be going in the 50s or 60s, based on what I see, based on what my projections have for him. And I heard somebody else say it recently, too, that you know, he's going to spike a 40-save season at some point. He, is, he just is. Like it, you, you usually see that with elite relievers at some point. They have one or two years where they spike a 40-save season. And again, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but Romano's kind of due for that blow-up season. Last year was not as great as we were maybe hoping for. It was still good. But I think that this is a year where Jordan Romano can really, really explode. And I've heard a lot of people say it. I'm going to be buying in there. Again, call me a homer if you wish. But I think Romano is pretty clearly the best closer still left on the board. And I think, you know, you combining him with Logan Webb at this spot, uh, I'm very happy to have that as my 7-8 turn here. So just looking at the team as a whole, I mean, it's a 10-team league, so they're going to all look kind of stacked. But I got Freddie Freeman, Jose Ramirez, Jazz Chisholm, Shohei Otani as my base on the offensive side. Kevin Gosman, Tariq Skubal, Jordan Romano, and Logan Webb we have on the pitching side. So, I mean, teams are going to look stacked in 10-teamers all the time, but I think I've done a really good job so far. Ooh, ooh, look what we have here. Ryan Presley, ECR of 102, and I'm sure people are starting to get in there to their rankings and start to edit this down because Ryan Presley – He's not going to be going this range. He shouldn't be going this range. That 31 saves that they have here as a projection, it just ain't going to happen. Ryan Presley is probably, or was that from last year? Is that last year's stats? It's hard to keep track at this point. No, I think that's what they have as a projection. I think he had 31 last year, but they're also projecting 31 for next year. He's not somebody that you can be even thinking about at this range. So 
let's take a look at the offensive side. I have a pretty solid base of pitchers at this point. I'm somebody who I think is better at analyzing pitchers than hitters anyway. So with Gosman, Scooble, and Webb, I can kind of wait on that for like honestly until my last few picks of the draft and just fill out the rest of my offense at this point. Now, what I've done with these settings, is it makes me kind of have to go situational drafting. I can't just take best player available. I have to take a second baseman still, a shortstop, a catcher, a couple of outfielders. So let's start taking a look at our cheat sheets here, which are provided from Fantasy Pros. These are not my cheat sheets. This is the latest Fantasy Pros expert consensus rankings. I am a part of those rankings, but I haven't updated them yet for this year on Fantasy Pros. They're going to be on Sports Ethos before they are on Fantasy Pros. But in any event... We are looking at the overall list of their highest-ranked players. We have Will Smith still sitting there. I pick 90. I don't love taking a catcher at the top 100. I really don't. But we're in a situational kind of draft here where I need certain spots. I need a catcher. I already have two members of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Will Smith is likely the guy who's going to be batting behind Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani. 100 RBIs, regardless of how many games he played, is not out of the question. It could be 115 games where Will Smith has close to 100 RBI. Like It could be that ridiculous. I don't know that I'm going to project that. I won't project it to be that lofty, but Will Smith is somebody where I'm pretty damn interested in him. Now, his ECR, uh, let me see the ADP ECR for him. So 76. So he's already kind of probably shouldn't be here at this point. I'll take I'll take the chance on him. I'll take the chance. I got a little bit of a stack going. They're calling it a value pick. We will be taking that every single day. Now, in terms of the more scarce positions I still need, it's pretty much just second base. Second base is a position I don't love to wait on necessarily. You can, but I just really don't like to wait too, too far. We're around pick 100 here, and this is kind of a sweet spot. Glaber Torres, Spencer Steer with the multi-position, Cattell Marte, Bryson Stott. These are really solid names to be targeting at second base. A couple of them in that list, you know, Hassan Kim just off the board, Nico Horner, Matt McClain, who have been taken, but a lot of multi-eligible guys in this kind of range. That being said, I think I'll take the one guy who's not multi-eligible here, and I think I'm going to go with Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres was so solid last year. 25 homers, 13 steals. He batted 274. No reason to think that's going to be any different now that we've added freaking Juan Soto to the lineup. Should just be able to top on to those runs and RBIs, which are already solid at 90 runs, 68 ribbies from him. I'm going to take Glaber Torres here as my second, uh, as my starting second baseman. And now we just need a shortstop. We need a couple of outfielders, one more relief pitcher, and then we need to fill in the rest of those pitching spots. I'm going to go to relief pitcher, and I'm going to double up on my closer situation at this point. Ryan Presley was taken because these have not been updated, these rankings yet, but we have a lot of great closers available still. I might even go with two more. Um, fill out one of the remaining pitcher spots with the closer as well. We have Paul Seawald, Andres Munoz, Ryan Helsley, Pete Fairbanks still on the board. I really trust all of them, honestly. I think Ryan Helsley is going way too late. People are kind of forgetting how good he looked when he came back at the end of last season. He's somebody that I'm really considering. Pete Fairbanks as well. I'd like to have all four of these guys. If you can wait on closer and just kind of live in the Seawald, Munoz, Helsley, Fairbanks range, like I think you're going to be doing really well for yourself. They're going to be replicating the stats of the top guys to like 80, 90 percentile, I would say, and you're not paying nearly the same draft investment. So these are the kind of guys that I'm really looking at in this kind of range. And I think I'm going to take somebody, you know, maybe not this round, but next round. Cause I expect there to be at least one or two of these guys here. And I'd be happy to take pretty much any of them. So no need to jump uh, at this point. Let's take a look at outfield. We need a couple more outfielders. Seiya Suzuki, George Springer, Jordan Walker, Estuary Ruiz are still on the board. Seiya Suzuki, somebody really interesting. 
I'd like to see what he can do over a full healthy season. Last year was majority a healthy season, 138 games, and he gave you 20 homers, 285 average, six steals. I think over a full season, say a Suzuki can probably be a 25 and 10 guy. We know the batting average is pretty solid, and I need an outfielder. And I'm going to stick with what I've generally done so far, which is well-rounded players. Everybody on this lineup pretty much can do a little bit of everything. Uh, I know you're not getting great batting average from Jazz or steals from Will Smith, but it's a pretty well-rounded roster, and I think Saya just continues that. So we're going to take Saya here, and then honestly, I think I'll just get that relief pitcher pick out of the way. Eh, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll go and I'll take another outfielder. Hmm, I don't really need to at this point. Let me see what we have available in terms of the starting pitchers. Where have you gone starting pitchers? Here you are. And wow, we have wow, Justin Steele is still available at 111. Uh, I got you gotta like that. Justin Steele, I think that he's gonna be somebody, and that's really right where he is ranked on the expert rankings at 111. I, I said it recently on a show, I forget which one, but he was a couple of bad starts down the stretch away from winning the Cy Young. He's somebody like the discount has actually gotten to the point of disrespect at pick 111 and a pass pick 100 anywhere. Justin Steele is a really solid stabilizer. Everybody says, like, oh, he broke out last year. Go look at 2022 and tell me why that wasn't a breakout for him. He's done this two years in a row. I feel very confident in Justin Steele, especially as my fourth starting pitcher. I mean, you can't really go wrong at that point. And my big mouth thought that there would still be one of those names there, Seawald, Munoz, Helsley, Fairbanks, and they were all taken. So that's what you get. And again, like I said on the turn, I mentioned this earlier. Sometimes you have a plan in your mind. Oh, there's four guys, five guys, six guys. Sometimes they can just all get taken and you are shit out of luck like I am currently right there. But that leads me to taking, I think, Evan Phillips because Evan Phillips is somebody I was really worried about thinking that we were going to have a Josh Hader signing and Phillips would be, you know, in the situation that Ryan Presley actually is in today. That's not the case. Evan Phillips now looks to be even more secure in his job with the Dodgers. There's nobody out there that I think is going to be even close to giving them any kind of grief in terms of like this guy's going to come in and save. Robert Stevenson is still kind of an interesting unsigned relief pitching free agent. But I think at the end of the day, Evan Phillips is the closer. I don't love the situation I put myself in, and I wouldn't probably do this again, but I'm, I'm pretty okay with him as my number two SP. And then I can kind of just double that up and take a third one here in all honesty. I still need a shortstop and an outfielder, but I'd rather secure saves for myself. And I think at this point, I don't love him, right? But I think Clay Holmes is probably my guy. I'm getting almost certainly a sub three ERA, 25 to 30 saves. It's nothing sexy, but I think between Romano, Phillips, and Clay Holmes, Saves are very well squared away for this team now. And now we're just left with the last couple of spots that we need to fill. Three of them to be exact. We have shortstop, one outfield, and one pitcher. If we are looking at who is available in the outfield, I feel very confident taking just one of these guys randomly. If it's a Yoshida, an Outman, Chaz McCormick, Brandon Nimmo, Lars Nupar. That's kind of been the range where I've been shopping this year for outfielders. And so far, I'm really liking what the results are. At short, Honestly, Tyro Estrada still sitting there at 150 is a great deal. I think I might go Tyro Estrada. I've talked about how I'm very much interested in him this year. I think that the upside is 40 steals. I think that he's the first guy I'm going to go with. He's a multi-position guy. I do take care of shortstop. Now I need an outfielder and I need a pitcher. Now the outfield, like I said, I feel very confident in what we have left still in terms of outfielder. So I will go with a pitcher and I will take somebody that I'm very interested in this year. It's Carlos Rodon. We completely rode this guy off after one bad season, and we are ignoring the previous two years where he was, you know, he was the best left-handed pitcher in baseball, one of the best pitchers in baseball altogether. 
He had a bad year where he was injury plagued, didn't really get the chance to fully get cooking. He only 64 innings pitched. It was never really going to be a great scenario for him considering how the year started. Now, it's record, uh, recorded, reported by Brian Hoke, who's one of the beat writers for the Yankees, that Carlos Rodon is reported early to spring training voluntarily. He wants to get going early. He knows that it was bad, bad going last year for him, and he wants to improve. You got to love that when a player, even though he's got the contract, he's already paid, he's already you know set, they still want to improve. They still want to get better. It's like Paul Goldschmidt going to driveline at age 36. Like You just love to see players who still want to improve as they get older, once they're already financially secure. It's good to just not see the young guys only doing that, if you, if that makes sense. I think Rodon is going to have a great year, and he's probably somebody who should be going in the fifth or sixth round. That's generally going in, like, if you're talking a 15-teamer, like the 11th round. Here, getting him in the 16th of a 10-teamer, it's music to my ears. I'll take him every single time if he's still available there. Now I just need one more pick, and that is an outfielder here that we need to finish off with. And I said I was going to just take one of these guys that was still left. And let's see. I always lose track on here. So in terms of outfielders, we have Anthony Santander. He is the highest ranked one on the board. Also, Ian Happ, Jorge Soler, Teoscar Hernandez, Marcelo Zuna, Masataka Yoshida, and James Outman. I might go Ian Happ. Ian Happ is really undervalued. You're getting power and speed. You're not getting so much in terms of batting average, but like that power-speed kind of combo just at the end of the draft when it's just like a whatever last player type of thing, to get that 2020 potential from that spot is huge. And I don't care if he's going to be a slight drain on the batting average. Like I said, I'm very comfortable with my batting average that I already had. So that is the draft. That is the team. I have been given a 94. On Fantasy Pros, consensus of the 14 experts currently on the site. 94 out of 100. I'll go through the team here real quick. Will Smith behind the dish. Freddie Freeman at first. Glaber at second. Tyro Estrada at short. Jose Ramirez at third, rounding out the infield. My outfield is Jazz Chisholm, Seiya Suzuki, and Ian Happ. Shohei Otani in the utility spot. My rotation is consisting of Kevin Gosman, Tariq Skubal, Logan Webb, Justin Steele, and Carlos Rodon. My relief pitchers are Jordan Romano, Evan Phillips, and clay holmes guys i think this is a pretty damn good team and i think you know i took some risks but that's the thing when you're talking like i said it's a 10 team draft you can take some more risks that doesn't mean you take risks every single round that just means that you can increase your risk probability your risk potential when you're having such a high level of replacement level value on the waiver wire you're not needing to comb through platoon players like you are on 15 team leagues like i play a lot of 15 team leagues and they're fun because you can kind of find a guy who is kind of undervalued and he's going to pick 400 and you maybe get a guy who is able to give you a top 200 production. And there's like incremental wins like that. In this kind of format, those kind of players are not going to be valuable. You just need to be churning and burning those guys at the back end of your roster for those other guys who are sitting on waiver wires who realistically should be on rosters. It's just the nature of the format. It's so shallow that you just can't really do anything about it. But that being said, you take your chances. You take your guys who you're not 100% certain of where there is massive upside, like a Tariq Skubal, like an Evan Phillips, like a Jazz Chisholm. And then you also balance it out with some safer guys. You know, I think Glaber Torres and Freddie Freeman, Jose Ramirez, I think those guys are really safe. You know, I took a chance with Skubal, but I backed it up right away with Logan Webb, who I think is not much of a chance at all. I think he's very safe. So you take more chances in those shallower formats. It doesn't mean you take a ton of chances. It just means that you're able to be a little bit more risky with your build and you don't need to be going for just floor. You can shoot for that ceiling and that upside as well. But that'll do it 
that will do it for us for today and for the week. I hope you guys appreciate. I hope you guys enjoy. I appreciate. I was about to say, mixing up my words here at the end of the day on Friday. Really appreciate all you guys who do tune into these shows, whether it's live or on the podcast side. Uh, that much is very much appreciated. If you guys have not done so already, hit that thumbs up on the video. Subscribe to the channel. We have a ton of stuff coming over the next few weeks and months to get you ready for the fantasy season. And then once it starts, we're still going to be here. We're still going to be doing shows. We're still going to be putting out tweets, podcasts, articles, so much stuff. And we just announced our draft guide today. will be released in the middle of February. Got a nice graphic up for it on Twitter. So make sure you're checking us out over there. Joe Rico 99 Ethos Fantasy BB, and SportsEthos.com. But I'll leave you there, guys. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back next week with some more team previews. But until then, take care. We'll see you then.